Hey, hey, welcome everyone. Uh, newest episode of the Real Talk Humanities and the Job Market. Um, really excited for today's episode. Um, we definitely have a cool one, as always. I'm Stefano Faustini, your host. Uh, of course, I have the amazing Marina, my co host here. Marina. Hello. Hello, yo, yo, yo. Um, I'm pretty sure Marina actually put on some fresh lipstick for the recording of this podcast episode. Uh, yeah, Marina, any comment on that? That's an always thing. I'm Eastern European, so I represent. All right. She's representing, and we're here representing together. Really excited to get going. Today, we have a super cool guest uh, who's joining us. We're very lucky and excited to have her with us today. I'm going to intro her in just a few minutes, but we actually came across this guest um, discovering her online uh, through one of her blog posts that she wrote. And I guess it got me really thinking about the power of obviously blogging, not that this is something new, but just the power of, you know, again, whether this guest even knew it or not, kind of building that that kind of personal brand a little bit and kind of just putting things out there online that represent you and just the amazing things that that come out of that. I don't know how you feel about that, Marina. I definitely agree with that. And, you know, it made me think of uh, my most recent, um, the most recent talk that I gave to students at, uh, at McGill University. And one of the questions, those were students in the continuing education program that are transitioning um, in their careers. And so they found it, um, found it difficult to penetrate the job market when you're, you know, you're not a junior anymore. Um, you have certain experience, but you want to be doing something else. And then how do you not get uh, labeled and boxed into whatever it was that you used to do professionally originally? Um, and, you know, one of the core pieces of advice that I gave to them is we'll find a voice um, and express it, um, express it online. We're so lucky now to have that, you know, megaphone um, to to be able to position ourselves, build our personal brand our personal sort of professional brand. I guess it's it's a mix now uh, between the two and, um, you know, blog, vlog, um, just, I don't know, comment, be out there in your area of uh, interest and perhaps not expertise yet, but, um, you know, you're able to to nonetheless position yourself for uh, people that might want to then reach out to you, which is uh, what happened with uh, with our guest on the podcast today. So not for the purposes of, you know, her job hunt, um, but nonetheless, you know, it's all building professional connections. And if you put yourself out there, you you give people the opportunity to, to connect with you. 100%. Very well said. I mean, definitely Marina is an expert on this topic. Um, perfect segue, obviously, for introing today's guest. Um, we're very excited to introduce um, Jillian Massel. Jillian, uh, she comes armed with a bachelor's degree from McGill University in Montreal, uh, as well as a master's degree from Dalhousie University, also in English literature. Um, she worked as a teaching assistant at Dalhousie in Halifax, and then essentially jumped from academia, from, from what I understand, directly to a role in partner marketing with Shopify. That's right, Canada's uh, tech darling in a lot of ways. So excited to hear more about that. And Jillian currently serves as product content and UX strategist with Shopify uh, at their Ottawa headquarters, uh, headquarters, HQ, headquarters. I like that. That's a new thing. Hey, Jillian, how are you? Hi, nice to meet you or talk with you rather. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Thanks for joining us. Um, I mean, first of all, again, welcome. And 
I just want to I just want to say this right off the bat, Jillian. You essentially accomplished what we've been discussing on this kind of podcast for the last uh, little while now. You accomplished the impossible for right up. So right off the bat, want to give you a round of applause for that. Um, or, or the quote-unquote impossible, which is that you transitioned out of academia directly into industry, which already that's hard enough. Um, but you were a humanities grad student who jumped into working for one of the best-known, kind of most competitive tech companies in the country. So I guess I just need to know, let's just cut through it all. How did you do it? Tell me right now. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out to this day. Uh, so I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, yeah, no, I think I just really, uh, started just putting myself out there as much as I could. Um, and I think one of the things that really helped me out is that Shopify isn't like every other employer out there. Um, and when I first applied for my job, the way that they had framed their website made me feel that my lack of experience wasn't a weakness, but an actual asset to the company. Uh, because one of the things that Shopify really puts an emphasis on is diversity of thought. Uh, mm-hmm. And so as a newcomer, I was like, well, I would normally have felt that I wasn't equipped for that kind of a position. But the way that Shopify framed it made me feel like I actually had something very unique to offer and something really, really special Um, that was going to help them succeed as a company. And so that gave me a lot of confidence when I originally applied. Uh, And I think it helped me to not be afraid to let my personality shine through in my cover letter um, and really express that I was eager and desire to learn. And uh, as an employer, I think Shopify was interested in people who are willing to challenge and push themselves rather than people who necessarily like have um, the set amount of experience that you need. Very cool. And, you know, it's very nice to hear that because um, we host conferences on topics of company culture and innovative hiring and have had a couple of speakers from Shopify that that work in the HR department. And they've said exactly that, um, that they're very open minded, that they're looking for people from different backgrounds. But very often, you know, employers will say certain things, but do they actually walk the walk um, that we don't always know. So to have you attest to that is really cool. Um, when you say, uh, Julian, that's one that, that you discovered that you did have something to bring to the table that was unique and that was special. Um, what was it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. Well, one of the things that I think my humanities degree has really given me a strong leg up on, uh, it sounds a bit cliche, but um, you cannot underestimate the value of critical thinking. Uh, at Shopify, this has really tra- translated to just the ability and the comfort to ask questions like, why? So like, why are we solving this problem? Why is this the best solution for this problem? Why should we build this product and not a different product? Uh, And then the other thing that I think critical thinking really gives you um, is the ability to form a strong opinion based on the evidence around you. Uh, And so I certainly learned that in my bachelor's and my master's degree. Uh, Yes, maybe it was in a different context. I was poring over Shakespeare and T.S. Eliot rather than uh, uh, Envision mockups or UI interfaces. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I was able to look at the stuff at hand and form a well-constructed constructed argument uh, towards a solution or, or against a solution. And both of those skills, I could use them in English literature and I can use them in user experience design as well. Awesome. That's really cool. And I mean, I definitely want to hear a lot more about that. If we go back a little bit, maybe just to 
kind of the the earlier days. Let's go back to the beginning. Curious to know, Jillian. I mean, wh- why did you decide to study, um, you know, humanities subject? Obviously, English lit. Um, instead of pursuing a degree in, in in you know STEM or engineering or business, even why why did you decide to go that route to begin with? Yeah, I mean, it depends how far back you go, but um, I realized in high school that I had a knack for it. Uh, I was a really good reader. Um, and I really, really enjoyed my English classes. And uh, I think uh, much to my own mother's chagrin, my mother's a microbiologist and sort of perhaps thought that maybe I would be a scientist as well one day. Uh, yeah, I really found that I had a knack for looking at text and dealing with language. And I loved it. I really loved it. Uh, and so I went to university and I actually started out doing a joint bachelor's in English literature. And um, I guess it was... Uh, development studies, but I had to take a lot of economics courses. I really didn't like math. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. So I ended up focusing fully on English because that was the thing that was really making my heart sing. When I'd walk into a bookstore, I didn't pick up an economics textbook. I picked up a play or a novel or collection of poems. Um, And I guess at the time, I wasn't thinking about my career at all. I was just really thinking about what I love to do and what I love to think about and what I cared. And I'm very fortunate to have had that luxury to be able to just pursue my passion. Um, That is definitely a result of like coming from a position of privilege and a family that supports and loves me. Um, So I'm really, really lucky that I got to do that. And um, yeah, from there, I just, the thing about passion though is um, it can take you to so many different places. Um, To me, it took me to my master's, but what it really taught me is that if you want to learn something and you care enough about it, you can do anything. You just have to really, really get into it. And that's what building the muscle of passion lets you do. And so I built that, you know, muscle of passion in my bachelor's and my master's. And then it made it really, well, it made it relatively easy to to jump to a completely different discipline like tech, like user experience design, um, and just really fall in love with it. Cause I built that, that mindset, I think from my degrees. Very cool. The muscle of passion, the title for this podcast. That's our episode title. I love it. Very cool. Um, you know, it's interesting, Julian, how many of our of the guests, guests that we've had on the podcast so far have mentioned that they chose to pursue their studies in humanities, uh, much to the dismay of their parents. And I find it really interesting that most parents still, you know, they might be supportive, such as such as your parents, which, as you said, makes you very lucky. Um, but it's definitely not the, you know, the number one choice of, of a parent, which which is unfortunate, but um, often in the case um you as you were nearing the end of your studies um, when you were completing your master's degree were you considering staying in academia and then pursuing a phd and maybe just remaining in academia and teaching or is that not on your radar uh it was 100 percent on my radar marina actually um yeah mm-hmm. i uh it's hard when you've been in academia for so long and you've been good at academia too. I was getting good grades and professors, I really liked working with my professors and my own teaching assistants. Um, And the only role models you have are professors around you. The only adult role models are professors. And you start to think, well, this is what success looks like. So this is what I have to do too. Uh, And so I really, really thought that I was on track to do my PhD, to become an English literature professor. Um, But when I was doing my master's, I was incredibly fortunate to have 
a very wise supervisor, uh, Dr. Carrie Dawson at Dalhousie, um, who gave me some very sage advice. And she said, you can't do a PhD until you're absolutely certain that there's nothing else out there that you'd enjoy just as much. Uh, and that was really smart because at that moment, I'd only ever been in school, I'd only ever done school, and I didn't really know about the world outside of school. Uh, so yeah, I thankfully took her advice and I said I'd take a year off after my master's. And I told myself, if I didn't find a job in a year, or if I didn't find something else equally interesting and challenging and stimulating as a PhD, if I didn't find that in a year, I'd go back and do my PhD or I'd go back and do a different degree. Um, but I'm really glad I took mm -hmm. that year and I'm really glad I put myself out there and tried something a bit outside of my comfort zone. Um, cause it showed me that you can work on challenging, complicated and nuanced problems and you don't need to be in academia to do them. Really cool. Actually, that's, that's a perfect, that's exactly one of the things that I, I was curious to know a bit more about Jillian is that you, so let's say once you kind of decided that, you know, you're going to give yourself that year of looking for a job, um, you were going to go into, into the market, into industry outside of academia. How was that job search process? I mean, it sounds like, um, it sounds like obviously you killed it and you did really well, but how was that year? Was it, was it easy? Did you send out a, a bazillion CVs? Um, was it just like Shopify just like slid into place and just clicked the stars aligned or, or how was that job search process? Um, to be honest, the beginning was very demoralizing. Uh, you spend a lot of time looking at lots of job websites or job classifieds or postings and reading job descriptions and trying to think how in the hell you apply or you're, you're able to bring value um, to that employer or, or fit the position that they're looking for, fit the requirements. Um, yeah, and so I'm not gonna lie, the beginning was frustrating. And you know, it was frustrating too because I had all of these um, you know, people around me, my parents, other adults who were like, don't worry, it'll work out, it'll be fine. Um, but I think, you know, and I'm going to like label myself as millennial now, but I think for them, you know, it was a different context when they first got their first job and it was much easier to find work. Um, and so it was, it was really hard at the beginning. Uh, uh I'm not going to lie. Um, but it really, there, I, it comes back to what I said originally about Shopify as an employer. And, and I don't think that this is just unique to Shopify, but I think many employers can really think and learn from what Shopify is doing, um, is like look beyond the normal indicators of what a successful candidate looks like. So usually employers list things like you need two experience doing two years of experience doing X, Y, or Z. Um, and so who are you keeping away? What are those people that are self-selecting out of it? Because you put these arguably relatively arbitrary, uh, requirements on your job postings. Um, so yeah, it was demoralizing in the beginning. Um, but when I found Shopify and I saw that job posting, and I read it for the first time, I was like, wow, here's an employer that is going to let me be me and let my own unique self be expressed um, and is interested in that, right? Um, uh, and they're interested to see like what I can uniquely bring to that table um, rather than they're interested in seeing that I check off all the boxes of some list of HR requirements. 
Uh, and so you said that when you were applying to Shopify, you felt that you um, you were in the position to let your personality show, and um, you did that through your cover letter, uh, for example, you mentioned. So what do you mean? How did you express your personality through that? Uh, yeah, so um, when I read it back, uh, I wrote a blog post about this, and in my blog post, I share uh the, the actual copy that I used on my cover letter when I applied. And I can send that with you afterwards if you want to share it with your listeners. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, so uh, I was quite brazen. <laughs> um, I said things like, um, you know, if you're interested in seeing what somebody looks like when they think outside of the box, like send me a letter. Um, I also demonstrated that I've done my research on the company. So one of the lines I say in my cover letter is something to the effect of, uh, Shopify allows their users to make their own unique and expressive online store. Uh, so you should let your employers be unique and expressive in their cover letters as well. So aligning the company's mission with who I was as a person and, and how I wanted to behave. And I think that really struck a chord with them. Um, and yeah, uh, I, they were interested in seeing my potential, I guess, in that really cool yeah that's that's really interesting um i am curious to know a couple of things because my i could tell you transparently jillian my own experience studying at the grad level in uh here in montreal um as well also similarly in my degrees actually in in english literature oh, as well um yeah um uh also at the graduate level and i can tell you my own experience again here in montreal concordia university i essentially never once heard the terms startup or tech or marketing or content or anything like that even so much as essentially uttered in the halls of of the university um, i'm curious to know if your experience was similar i mean it sounds like you had an amazing advisor but at the same time curious to know were, were was were these words and terms and concepts were, were people talking about startups and tech companies and stuff like that at university uh no definitely not no one was talking about it uh i had no clue that startups and tech companies really existed at all. Um, I'd never watched the TV show Silicon Valley. Um, I never knew that you could work for an employer that would have a slide and a go-kart track in their office. Um, all of those silly things. Uh, and I think because, um, and maybe in certain departments is different. Maybe if you study computer science at a, at a university, uh, there's a lot more talk about that going around. But this is just a great example of why universities, which so often claim to be interdisciplinary, can be so incredibly siloed. Uh, and how perhaps if you know computer science were to work more integrated with any of the humanities degrees, you could build out um, uh, skill sets for um, students who are in high demand in tech sectors. But yeah, it wasn't on the radar at all. And I think it's just that university can be this sort of small self-contained community where academics spend a lot of time doing research uh, on what they're interested and aren't necessarily driven to look outside at what's happening in like the larger industry or job market. Um, uh, so, and especially in the humanities, like uh, which was sort of these core foundational um, field of studies uh, that, you know, was able to sort of sustain itself for so long um, uh, with its own research. But I think you're starting to see the, the need now for humanities to like uh, demonstrate their relevancy um, and the value that they offer 
in terms not only of making students and their graduate students employable, but also on the value that they can bring uh, to different uh, sectors of the economy and society. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting when you talk about silos to see how um, within companies, within organizations, we realize the detriment um, of having silos and departments working completely separately from one another. Um, but in academia, that is absolutely, as you said, still very much the case. All of the departments are just completely their own silos, their own worlds, and uh, there's really minimal overlap, if any. Um, I Well, now that you are working at arguably Canada's largest startup there's still that startup vibe even though it's no longer really a startup shopify what is your role right now what is your day like what do you do from the time you get to the office to the time you leave yeah uh so i am formally a product content strategist uh so that means that i design interfaces um or i design uh the experience of using shopify the software uh, and so I work collaboratively with uh, designers um, and UX researchers and front-end developers to bring that to life. Um, and all of these four disciplines that I just mentioned, content, UX research, design, and front-end development, um, Shopify has structured their teams to work really, really collaboratively. So each of these four disciplines brings their own unique perspective and area of expertise. Um, Mine being everything from the foundational information that we know needs to be in the interface to the final strings of copy that show up in front of the user that they interact with. Um, uh, so that's kind of at the high level how I work. Uh, and so when I come in, in my days, they might start with uh, just catching up on emails or we use Slack, which is an inner, inner office messaging app. Um, so catching up on pinnings. I might then go to a workshop where I'll work with designers and UX researchers uh, to sketch out some prototypes for a new feature we're building. Um, I might meet with some of my colleagues to critique our work together. Uh, culture of critique and feedback is a big part of working at Shopify. So I'll bring some of the strings that I'm working on for the interface uh, to one of these critique sessions. And my peers and I will sort of pour over them and say, like, um, I think your hierarchy of information is off here, or this uh, tone is a bit too formal or scary, so on and so forth. Um, and then later in the day, I might spend some time uh, reviewing um, any of the interface components of, that have been built by our development team uh, and making sure that they're ready for, to go out in front of our real users uh, outside, outside in the real world. That's really cool. Actually, that was, that was similar to, I mean, I wanted to touch on that topic. Um, been doing a lot of uh, kind of research on, on UX, uh, especially recently, recently, and I know that a lot of uh, you know, as UX kind of continues to advance, they're starting, maybe maybe starting to be, maybe not, maybe it's been this way for a while and you can correct me or so, but uh, kind of starting to be a bit of an underground kind of rumbling conception, I guess, that user experience of digital products almost um, now kind of requires a bit more of a humanistic perspective and almost the the hand or the kind of the the uh, the jumping in of someone who is almost an anti-technologist or at least an anti-engineering kind of perspective um, to fully engage with a product properly from a user perspective. I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Do you agree with that? Is that actually the case or where, you know, what, what, what kind of advantages do you think that you really bring to the table when it comes to user experience? Uh, that's a great question. I think it comes back to what I said originally. I would never be the kind of person who would say, oh, uh, humanities or humanists, 
uh, are particularly well suited for UX. I believe that true UX uh, or a truly great user experience comes from the uh, uh, compromise or the convergence of an engineering perspective, a user researcher's perspective, a data analyst perspective, and a UXer's perspective. Uh, because um, human systems and designing software products for humans is obviously an incredibly complicated and nuanced thing to do. And the only way you're gonna tackle a complicated problem is with a re really diverse uh, approach to it, diverse way of thinking. And so uh, sometimes I'll throw an idea out there um, and it'll be a terrible idea, but what it'll do is it'll prompt our engineer to say, oh, actually I have a better way of solving that. That's way more efficient and makes more sense to the user. Or I'll try to solve something with copy and my designer will be like, we could use an icon here to express that, or we could um, structure the page differently to help facilitate this messaging hierarchy. Uh, and so only when you really have that true collaboration do I think that can you build a truly great uh, user experience. Um, you had a couple other questions in there though. Did I answer <laughs> <laughs> But that's perfect. Yeah, no, I think, I think the idea is central to a little bit of the theme of what we've kind of been, been going over here, which is collaboration, interdisciplinarity, um, and kind of really having the conversation with a lot of different voices in it at the same time who come with different perspectives uh, and different strengths and skills throughout it. So that's actually a really good point. Yeah, at that um, point, actually, one of the things that yeah. uh, the humanities did teach me was how to facilitate a discussion because a lot of the work you do in the humanities, in your tutorials, uh, in your conferences or your discussion groups with your teaching assistants, um, is having a discussion about a text or a problem area. Um, and so mm -hmm. you learn in those sessions how to encourage different people to speak up or how to find a balance between different viewpoints um, or how to encourage debate, for example. Um, and that's a skill that I certainly learned in my humanity, humanities degree. Of course, you can learn it many other places too, but I've really seen it help me a lot in my work in tech specifically. That's really cool. And I mean, obviously, we mentioned it right at the beginning of this episode that we you that, you know, you wrote a killer blog post that we really, really liked and we came across and just kind of fell in love with it. And early on in the post, you um, kind of to quote, you address the infamous question, which is, um, you know, that everyone kind of asks probably parents and other people just, you know, what are you actually going to do? with a degree in English, right? Uh, that question, what are you gonna do with that X degree? Um, and you know, assuming English could be a stand-in for any humanities subject, um, what do you respond to these people who, who, let's say, would ask you that question now? You know, Jillian, what are you gonna do with that degree? What would you actually, what do you, what do you tell people now? Uh, I say a couple different things. Um, I say you can work in user experience design just like me. <laughs> uh, but you can also work in things, any content generation, right? So the web is one of the beautiful things about the World Wide Web is that it's become this place where companies are competing uh, in terms of the value that they can bring to their users, right? Uh, and so Shopify, for example, has an excellent uh, uh, e-commerce or commerce blog, which tells aspirational entrepreneurs, how they can get started online. But there are whole teams of writers that are producing this high value content um, for their users. So an English degree is great for that. So content generation, content marketing. Um, if you've got some experience with like analytics, social media or email marketing could be a great fit for you too. Um, I know 
quite a few of my peers have also ended up working in user research or product content strategy, as we call it. Uh, but web content strategy is a growing and uh, diverse field as well. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what else? Uh, well, clearly, there's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. So that's really cool, too, though, to know just because, again, the infant, uh, kind of infamous useless subjects actually don't seem uh, don't seem that useless at all and you're a really good example of that so that's really really cool absolutely and like look at things like uh, slack or many companies that are making chatbots right um they're hiring playwrights or scripts or script writers people who can mm -hmm. frame these machines to sound human to sound personal and can write in that human tone uh and that's a skill set that's very hard to find and is increasingly in demand. Uh, and humanities majors, I think, are very well positioned um, to become the voice of our interfaces or the voice of our products or the voices of our interactive home assistants like Siri or Alexa. Totally. 100% agree with you. I mean, thank you, first of all, again, Jillian, for taking the time to join us. Absolute pleasure having you here. I hope you had fun. I had a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Pleasure is mine. Uh, thank you again. And everyone, uh, to all our listeners out there, check out, uh, obviously, check out Shopify. Tons of really good content there for sure. I'm sure which much of which uh, was, was written by Jillian herself. Um, also, follow Jillian on Medium. Um, she posts some really, really cool stuff. Follow her on Twitter, etc. But thank you again. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll be up next with a new episode uh, coming up soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you.